Okay, guys, let's go. Happy New Year and all that. Yeah, yeah, that heartfelt. <laughs> oh my Lord, what do I do with that kind of enthusiasm? <laughs> okay, guys. So last week we had been talking about uh, inbreaking, and we said that we've reduced the gospel. We've reduced the gospel to personal salvation. We've reduced the gospel to personal salvation. Just recapping a few things from last time. We've reduced the gospel to personal salvation. And so it went from, Jesus' words were different from the words we use. It went from repent and enter the kingdom. That's what Jesus used to say, repent and enter the kingdom. That's what he used to say. And it went from that to invite Jesus into your life. That became the centerpiece. And it is not how God wanted it to be. Uh, probably um, some 200 or 300 years ago is when it really began to happen because um, when, at least, uh, maybe it happened before, but over the last 100 or 200 years, evangelists started uh, breaking away from the church because the church didn't have a place for evangelists but only pastors. And so when the evangelists started going out, their message was invite Jesus into your heart. So it's not that inviting Jesus into your heart is bad. It's a t tremendously good thing. But the, but the goalposts shifted. The goalpost was always repent and enter the kingdom of heaven. And to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to receive the king. We completely bypassed Jesus' message. And we went from repent and enter the kingdom into invite Jesus into your uh, heart. So that's one of the things that happened. And then it went from God's intent right from Genesis onward where he would say, I'm making all things new. That was a statement right from the beginning. As soon as uh, Genesis 3 happens, uh, he is already on this quest. I'm making all th things new. Uh, the seed of the woman will uh, crush the seed of the serpent. So it went from I'm making all things new to I am taking you to heaven. And this then diluted everything, man. It's like, it's like a gross distortion that is godly. It's a godly gross distortion. Because it's not supposed to be this. He came to say, I'm making everything new. And we have changed it to, I'm taking you to heaven. And he, it went from repent and enter the kingdom to invite Jesus into your heart. And the strange thing is, we at this church think like this too. We think, I'm taking you to heaven. We think, invite Jesus into your heart. And we don't think, repent and enter the kingdom. And we don't think, I'm making all things new. At least it's not part of our DNA. It might be there, but it's not part of our DNA. So I might repeat this very often because we've got to get this right. Because we can't shift God's goalposts. 
because then we're not playing his game. And then we talked about this line from um, um, Lord of the Rings that Sue had sent me. Uh, we talked about this last week. And there's this line where um, Sam, the hobbit, turns to Gandalf and he asks this question, is everything sad going to come untrue? Because everything is dark. Eh? He's just been injured in a fight. He's lying in bed. He thinks he's dead. And he gets up and says, I thought I was dead. And then he says to Gandalf, is everything sad going to come untrue? And Gandalf says, a deep darkness has lifted. And that's the question we need to ask. Because that ties in with the kingdom message. The kingdom or the inbreaking of the kingdom. The moment Jesus came, what was he coming to do? Luke chapter 4, Isaiah 61. I am coming to undo everything sad. I'm going to make everything sad untrue. And that is our quest. If we can wrap our heads around it Sunday after Sunday, week after week, day after day, uh, it'll be a different way of thinking. And our thinking affects how we behave. So our quest then is go make everything sad untrue. Our quest is go make everything sad untrue by the Spirit. Untrue by the Spirit. How far? As far as the curse is found. So Merry Christmas. That's our intent. So that's what we talked about last week. Any questions? So as soon as the fall happened, everything was cursed except man. Man was never cursed. It's strange. Um, there's no curse that was placed upon man. Man would suffer the consequences of the curse. But everything was cursed. And so there is nothing that was exempt. Creation started groaning. The cosmos was beginning to now corrupt. And it includes man, it includes trees, it includes birds, it includes music, it includes art, it includes every aspect of life. And that is as, that is as far as the curse has gone. There's nothing that was exempt from being redeemed. And now God is saying, okay, a kingdom has come. A king has arrived, a kingdom has come. And this kingdom and this king will make everything sad untrue. How far? As far as everything was broken, to that extent, everything will be redeemed. So that we will have something brand new, something brand, something like Eden. Eden will be restored. Plan A is still plan A. There is no plan B. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm taking you to heaven. No. So both statements here are true. One, that we need to invite Jesus into our hearts. Because if we, if we don't invite Jesus into our hearts, we cannot enter the kingdom. But what we have done is invite Jesus into your heart so you can go to heaven. And Jesus' words are, enter the kingdom by receiving me. And heaven is where his throne is. And it could be in our midst during worship and it could be another place. It, so it's not that um, heaven is not real or inviting Jesus into our hearts is not real. It's just that we've changed the way this game is played. So what do you do after receiving Jesus? 
That's what happened, has happened to churches, right? Sorry, what do you say? You go to church. So what do you do after receiving Jesus? Between now and going to heaven, what do you do? But if we teach the kingdom first, and then receiving Jesus to enter the kingdom, then it's different. This was his call. I'm asking you to come into the kingdom. And we are saying, I'm asking you to come into me. Very different. Come and enter the kingdom. Come and enter me. Even now, even as I'm talking this to you, it's not become normal for me. It's not natural for me to think like I'm talking. It's an effort. And it's a great effort, meaning I enjoy the effort. But it's an effort. This is not some newfound theory, guys. It's been there for very, very long. You had a follow-up? Like you said, I'll be getting there over the next four or five weeks. <laughs> so the other thing we said was that the kingdom of God is something is about something happening. It's not a place. The kingdom of God is about something happening. It's not a place. Because there's a tendency in the good old um, uh, Pentecost days that it was always a place in the sweet by and by. And yet, the kingdom of God is something that is happening. And what is happening? God is acting as king. God is acting as king. In the heavens already and on earth now. In the heavens and on earth, God is acting as king. Or in other words, God is kinging. God is kinging. God is kinging. And what does kinging look like? We said, we asked the question, what does it look like? Does it look like salvation? Does it look like healing? Does it look like casting out demons? Does it look like prophecy? Does it look like mercy? Does it look like race issues? Does it look like environmental issues? Or good stewardship? Does it gush forth like a waterfall or does it flow like a river or is it a gentle stream what is it and the answer is when God is king it could be all these or one of these that is a catch because eh? different denominations have different takes on what it should look like and in that we set ourselves up for a fall because <laughs> if God decides to come as a Come like, a come like a rushing wind, and we are expecting a rushing wind, and then uh, come like a babbling brook so that sheep can settle by and be led to pasture. Now we are finished because he didn't come like a rushing wind. What is he? But regardless of how he chooses to king, it requires a demonstration. It requires a demonstration of spirit and of power. It requires a demonstration of spirit and of power. Regardless of how he wants to do what he wants to do, it requires a demonstration of spirit and of power. And this is where 
Acts 29 has little of it. We don't have oodles of this. We don't, we're, not, we're not overflowing with this. We know the theory. We expect it. We have faith for it. We want it. The desire is there. Occasionally we see bursts of it, but we don't have it as something that's continuously overflowing. As a pastor, it's a terrible thing to admit, but it is true. We don't have it the way we thirst for it. We don't have it the way the New Testament uh, says the uh, book of Acts have it, had it. We don't have it overflowing. We don't have it present as a people. We may have it in individual bursts of brilliance, but we don't have it as a people. And so regardless of how he wants to flow, and, and, and so uh, don't go into defensive mode because if there's anyone who should go into defensive mode, it's me, I'm the pastor. Uh, so don't go into defensive mode like, no, but, but we, we do this, we do that. It's true, but it's not overflowing. Yeah. Pardon? That's what uh, I was talking to Jill about. We will find out over the next four or five years. <laughs> Thanks, Eddie. From now on, if any such question comes, I'll say talk to Jill. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, Sadi. Feel free to ask. Um, so we don't have two things we don't have overflowing. It's we don't have power. And may I say we don't have expectation, like the confident expectation uh, when we face brokenness, bondage, pain, need. We one, on one hand, we don't have the power. On the other hand, we don't have confident expectation uh, that we have what it takes to meet what is before us. It's like a Hail Mary uh, with a lot of faith. Uh, perhaps those two things don't go together. So let me rephrase that. It's, 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 it's this, <laughs> it's this uh, desperate desire and thirst to see it happen. But there is uh, always present a lack of confident expectation eh, that it will happen. Uh, I, I'm not saying this is our case all the time for all of us. Some of us may have the gift of faith at times. Some of us may have what it takes at moments. But it is not, I, I cannot say of Acts 29 or of myself that this is our overflowing natural way of living. That is not there. Maybe some of you have it at some time. Sorry, Joan, what are you looking for? Uh, as far as I know, it could be need, but it could be feed. Yeah, yeah, it could be need. Yeah. I'd say there's a 90% chance it is need. Yeah. So the questions we need to ask is, are we? And uh, I, I just want to pause on the word we because am I is not how we approach this. We approach this as are we. Am I experiencing the overflow of the Spirit of God? It could be possible that there are phases in your life where you actually experience it. 
where you're so keyed on to God and you're so on point. Or I find that when I'm outside of Vancouver, I find this more easy than when I'm in Vancouver. So I can't say am I. RV is the question we have to ask. Because every so often at Acts 29, we still haven't gotten the hang of the fact that this has to be what the church or the body looks like. Isaiah 61 is great to claim it for yourself, but can Isaiah 61 be claimed by the church? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So you, you can say that, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I've been, set, uh, I've been sent to set captives free. I've been sent to open blind eyes. How many are, going you, are you going to reach? You're one person who spent 16 hours at work and at home, four hours sleeping, at least. In, in Derek's case, it's four hours at work, 16 hours of sleeping. And, <laughs> and <laughs> so one person isn't enough, eh? are we? That's the question. Now you multiply four by 20 people and you got 80 hours. So are we is important. Are we experiencing the Holy Spirit's overflow? and power and my understanding based on what I see and hear of us as the churches no if you ask me do we thirst for it yes do we cry for it yes do we pray for it yes do we want it badly yes do we want it for our own sake no do we want it for his sake yes but are we And please think of we, because if it's only you, it won't cut it. Jesus himself said so. I got to go. If I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come. If the Holy Spirit come, doesn't come, you won't be able to do greater things than I do. I can only be one place at one time. Is the outbreaking, we are talking about inbreaking of the Spirit and of the kingdom into the world, is the outbreaking happening through us? Is the outbreaking of God's, of, of the kingdom, happening through us? Third question, and then we can examine it. Are we consistently undoing everything sad? Are we consistently undoing everything sad and are we bringing righteousness peace joy and power by the Holy Spirit because that's what the kingdom is right the kingdom is not eating and drinking but is righteousness peace joy and power by the Holy Spirit and I'd say in all these things, we have a great desire. So desire is no, not lacking. Great desire we have. Each person, I mean, I can go over this church one by one. And whether you're here for the first time or whether you've been here since when we began, the desire is absolutely present. God's kept saying as I prepared this teaching that make sure you come at this w telling the church what I really think of them, not beating them over the head about what they are not. So he wants us to know that the desire is there. 
So there is a disconnect though. And that's what I'm hoping can be uh, spanned, the gap can be spanned. I mean, do we desire his personal activity you know, amongst our myths? Yes. Do we have a desire for his presence? Yes. Then why is it that we don't see overflowing power? Any questions? And so, uh, so what does it look like? Here's the question. Is the outbreaking of the kingdom, what is the outbreaking of the kingdom? Is it salvation? Is it healing? Is it casting out demons? Is it prophecy? Is it mercy? Is it race relations? Is it environmental stewardship? Does it come like a waterfall, a river, or a gentle stream? What is it? Is it Isaiah 58 or is it Isaiah 61? What is it? Is it taking care of your neighbors? Is it feeding the hungry? Is it breaking bread with the poor? Is it uh, undoing bonds of wickedness? Or is it setting captives free, opening blind eyes, preaching the gospel to the poor? What is it? It is all. But regardless of which aspect or which yarn of the uh, sweater you hold, it all requires power. Overflowing power. Overflowing power. And that we don't have. And if we don't have power, and if we don't have power, the diagnosis is pretty easy, man. Uh, if we don't have power, it's because there's some misalignment. And I don't know, uh, we'll figure out as we go. There's some misalignment with the Holy Spirit. Because throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament, the source of power is very simple, the Holy Spirit. Which is very odd, eh? Because if you ask the question of Acts 29, or of us seated here, like I said, whether you're here for the first time or the last, or, or been here, <laughs> sorry, that came out wrong. <laughs> whether you're here for the first time or you've been here forever. Yeah. Um, we hear him. I mean, if there is a church that I know, and I've seen quite a few churches by now, if there is a church that hears God and does what he says, it is this church. We operate by hearing. We follow him. Whatever he says, however ridiculous it is, we follow him. You're some of the most... Um, uh, what are those guys who can twist their bodies into any shape? That's what they're called? Okay, you're some of the most contorted Christians I've met. <laughs> yeah. You can, I mean, you can, we can pack you up in a suitcase and send you. Or we can put you in a giant uh, ocean liner. It doesn't matter. But we hear him, we follow him. Oh, the sound, I was going to call you ventriloquist, but that's not the right thing, Contra contortionist. Okay, we hear him, we follow him. Um... But how come we are not overflowing with power? There's a disconnect. And it should begin to bug us. It should begin to bug us. How come a people hear God? How come they follow them? How come they don't have power?
Talk to Jill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've got a few, and one of them is along these lines that you're saying. Yeah. There is a disconnect, guys. I hope it bothers you, eh? As a pastor, it should bother me. That, oh, how come? I hope it begins to bug you. Ruth, can I help you with, that word is dis discount. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's not discount, it's disconnect. The Holy Spirit and power have always been synonymous. Huh? The Holy Spirit and power have always been synonymous in the context of the kingdom and in the context of the gospel. They are synonymous. They go hand in hand. Let's look at some scriptures. So, 1 Corinthians 2.4. 1 Corinthians 2.4. First Corinthians 2.4. Um, I'll just read everything from the NIV. First Corinthians two four. Um, let's start at two two. For I, and in these scriptures, as we read them, and we we're just going through the scriptures right now to point out that the Holy Spirit and power are synonymous. But in the future, if we took these scriptures and studied them, we would know where we are misaligned. But we won't do that today. Today is just to show the connection. First Corinthians two four, starting at verse two. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. And my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. First Corinthians 2.4. There's a direct connection between the power of God, the gospel, and the Holy Spirit. Let's look at another one. First Corinthians 4.20. 1 Corinthians 4.20 For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but power. More and more, churches are making it a matter of talk because they don't know how to channel power. Uh, we can't channel power because we are misaligned with the Holy Spirit and we've got to find out where. First Corinthians 2.4 Demonstration of power by Spirit not words. Next, First Thessalonians 1.5 First Thessalonians 1.5 First Thessalonians 1.5 Uh, starting at verse 4. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. So now we see that it's again the Spirit of God, um, power, conviction. Each of these sentences could give us clues as to why we may be where we are. Romans 15, 18-ish. Uh, Romans 15. Um, 
18 onwards, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God but what, by what I've said and done. By the power of signs and wonders, power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit. Crazy, eh? Again, it's the same thing. By the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit. Guys, as we go over these scriptures, uh, most of us have this sense that, ah, but I know all these scriptures. Great, but look at them again. So don't tune off, eh? Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. To set captives free, to preach the gospel, to do all those things, all the, to do all those things, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So how come the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and I can't do any of these things? This is terrible, man. Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is on me to do all these things. But how come I'm not doing all these things? Part of me is excited because if we get to the bottom of this, then at least if we get the answer, it's up to us whether we practice it or not. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And you shall receive the Holy Spirit and power to witness. Where? Everywhere. You shall receive the Holy Spirit and power to witness. What are we supposed to thirst for? Is it mighty rushing wind? What is it? How many times have we called out for the Spirit of God? How come not much is happening? It's been at least two, three years. Where are we missing? Our services are great. I love our worship times. They're brilliant. How come we're not overflowing? Oi! Yeah, so if you think first we, then the I will sort itself out. So if we can be all that, then you will be something. But if you are trying to grasp, I'm not talking about you now. If you are trying to grasp, but I want this, without thinking of the we need to be like this, then you might get the I, but it's quite idly piddly, teeny weeny. Yeah. So instead, if we can, sorry, my mind went to that song from a long time ago, so I apologize. <laughs> Pardon? <laughs> yeah, I stopped. And it was too late, even though I was trying to withdraw fast. Yeah. But one day, everything sad will come untrue. Yeah. So, guys, if we think we first, that this is what we desire, then all the little things f come together to form the big thing. And then we won't, we may have certain things we specialize in, but they're not important because we're working as a 
people. It's a it's 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 an it's it's something we have to think as we have to think like that. We have to think like that. Here's a here's a cool thing, guys. Anyone in this church can do anything at any time because of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's crazy. Anyone in this church can do anything. As the you can do anything better than anybody else in the church by the Holy Spirit. This is a common priesthood of believers. Even when you aren't qualified, you can do it. Don't. Meaning qualified as in you haven't had the experience. You haven't been up front. You haven't been a regular teacher. You haven't been a regular worship leader. Who cares? Sometimes when the Spirit of God picks you, Saul becomes king. David becomes king. Joseph becomes prime minister. Moses, a stammerer who fled, becomes leader. Changes. Yes, training may be necessary after, but the Spirit of God can take anybody here at any moment and do whatever he wants at any given time and do it better than the one who's paid or who's uh, selected for it. One of the things we'll have to explore is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because the main purpose of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is to receive the power to witness. And we'll have to begin to explore that. Um, explore is just a kind word. We'll have to begin to get the hang of it. Let me make it worse. We'll have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Here's another one. Luke chapter 1. I forgot the verse. The Holy Spirit will come on you. This is with Mary. The Spirit of God will come upon you. And the power of the Most High shall overshadow you. Again, spirit and power. Acts 10.38. This should be like the full stop statement. Acts 10.38. Jesus of Nazareth, anointed with spirit and power, went about doing good and setting free those that were harassed by the devil. By who? Jesus of Nazareth, the carpenter's son, was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. So the question should be again, but aren't we anointed with the Holy Spirit? Well, then where is the power? Either God is not being faithful or we are not being faithful. That's an easy one. Jill, talk to him. No. <laughs> like, it's a hard one, man. And we'll have to 
look at Acts, uh, John chapter 20, uh, John chapter 21, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 10, and see what God is doing uh, in the narrative to see, okay, so what are we looking at? Because denominations are so caught up in the baptism of the Spirit. So do you receive the Spirit fully or don't you? And then what do you mean by the baptism of the Spirit? So rather than, thank God I didn't go to, like I went to school and didn't go to school, because huh? at least it sets you free from um, strong doctrines. You may have a problem, Dr. Uh, Tuni. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Poor Tuni. He had such a bright future. <laughs> Oh, did you know that there are lots of doctors present in our midst? Dr. Prashant? <laughs> Dr. Tooney? Dr. Anile? Uh, Dr. Iris, right? <laughs> Dr. Manoj is not here. <laughs> yeah. This is like a highly educated church. Huh? Yeah. It doesn't show, but it, they are, it is highly educated. <laughs> <laughs> Ephesians 1, 16 to 18. And Paul actually, I don't know whether Ephesus had a problem like us, but Ephesians 1, 16 to 18, Paul is praying for the Ephesian church and he says, I pray that you know the length and breadth of the power of the Spirit of God that is present, that was present when Jesus was raised from the dead. Let's just look at that. Ephesians 1, 16 to 18. Ephesians 1, 16 to 18. I keep asking that God our Lord, uh, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be opened in order that you may know the hope to which you have called and his incomparably great power for us to believe the power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Now, how did he raise Christ from the dead? By the Holy Spirit. He's praying for the Ephesian church, saying, I hope you know it. Maybe some of us need to pray this for Acts 29 every so often. So here's a small homework. Eh? Every and so often, whenever you can, begin to pray Ephesians 1, 16 to 18 for this church. If all of us begin to think of doing that, just take the scriptures and pray scriptures. Just put Acts 29 in there and pray for the church. If all of us do it, maybe we'll get at least one person doing it a day. I would like to say, oh, maybe we should pray like that and wear God out. But the thing is, Jesus said in Luke that if a father gives his son... Um, fish instead of uh, a serpent, uh, scorpion, uh, egg instead of scorpion and so on. Why would I not give you the Holy Spirit? So there's no holding back on his side too. I'd freely give you the Holy Spirit. So if there's no holding back from him, why is it that there's a lack of power in Paul's life? Let's just pick on him, he'll be leaving soon. John 6.63 Is anything possible without this? The Spirit gives life. Ezekiel 37. Breathe on these bones and they will live. The Spirit gives life. 
Genesis 2, 7. And then God breathed into his nostril and man became a living soul. The spirit gives life. What chance do we have if we don't have this? What chance does Jane have if she doesn't have this as a counselor? What chance do I have as a pastor if I don't have this? It isn't overflowing. It isn't overflowing. When you don't overflow, you go to pet ways of doing things based on previous successes. Psalm 62, verse 11. All power, including that which the devil has, all power belongs to God. All power belongs to God. Strangely enough, um, I was talking to Chad. That's not the strange part. Um, the st uh, I, I was talking to Chad and um, I was saying, hey, Chad, this year, one of the things that I want to expose and confront and then increase in is power of the Spirit of God. And then he said that the Assemblies of God, I don't know whether it's global or whether it's South Asian, the Assemblies of God have chosen a theme for this year. And the theme is um, Job chapter 5, verse 9. And uh, Job 5, 9 says, Job 5, where's Job? Job 5, 9. Um, and the, the theme is, oh God, where is the power? It's kind of, that's the kind of theme that the Assemblies of God has. These are Pentecostal churches that were born out of this experience of Pentecost that began to catch since Azusa. But where is the power now? And Job chapter 5, verse 8 and 9 says, But if I were you, I would appeal to God. I would lay my cause before him beautifully. That's kind of what we're doing. If I were you, I would appeal to God. I would lay my cause before him. He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. Where is that God? What we need to engage in is what Habakkuk does in chapter 2. Go to Habakkuk 2. This is the kind of engagement that is it's just impossible for God to refuse. Impossible for him to refuse. Habakkuk chapter 2. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me, what answer I am to give to this complaint. If you read it from the NIRV, I will go up to the lookout tower. I will station myself on the city wall. I'll wait to see how the Lord will reply to me. Then I'll try to figure out how to answer him. Listen to that again. I will go up to the lookout tower. I'll station myself on the city wall. I'll wait to see how the Lord will reply to me. Then I'll try to figure out how to answer him. That's what we're doing. Okay, so here I am. We got a problem. We know you're faithful, but how come we don't have power? Okay, so here we are having a conversation with you. I'll wait to see what your reply is. And after I get your reply, I'll answer you. Or Isaiah 43. Come, contend with me. Argue with me. Bring your arguments. And so we're bringing an argument. In this teaching, we as a church are bringing an argument to God saying, we thirst, we desire, we delight, we want, we experience, but we do not have overflowing power. Why? Any questions before we conclude? Don? Derek wants what? 
Derek wants to leave early. Why does he want to leave early? Don lives vicariously through Derek, so. <laughs> yeah. So let's look at some correctives that we can pursue. I just want to place them before you and you can think about it and next week come back about it. So one of the things that may need correct, uh, may, we may need to correct is, what is this baptism of the spirit? Baptism in the spirit. What is the basis? What are the grounds? Is there something to first being born again by the Spirit? Because you can't be born again except by the Spirit and by the Word. And then is there something called being filled by the Spirit? And is it again and again and why maybe that's something that we'll need to go in and figure out and you'll have to stop being Baptist you'll have to stop being charismatic you'll have to stop being Pentecostal you'll have to be you'll have to stop being a tongue speaker or a non-tongue speaker you'll just have to be a Christian who knows that there is a lack of overflowing power and whatever it takes because we owe the world an encounter with God and the personal activity and the presence of God will show itself in power, has always shown itself in power. And the book of Acts is a perfect uh, place to look at. And if anything, we should be increasing in it, not decreasing in it. The book of Acts is a reference point, not a place to dwell in. It's not we need to be like the church 2,000 years ago. That's terrible. I mean, who here desires an iPhone 3? <laughs> All righty. One, two, three, four, five on probation right now. Second, um, without, the, without the overflowing, overflowing power of the Spirit, the Christ in you potential for every believer will lo it gets lost. What do you mean by that? Guys, do you realize that almost all of Christianity flocks to a few people for power, miracle, science? So when there's a lack of overflowing flowing power in a people, uh, it is but natural that the Christ in your potential of every believer gets lost. You'll again go to a few people. Even in a small church like this, you'll begin to go to a few people. Because there's no overflowing power in the church. You can't go to Annie. You can't go to Betty. You can't go to Tuni. You can't go to George. You can only go to Jacob. It's so counter-Christ, eh? 
we don't realize how many things we are building a counter Christ. This is not what he came to build. Yeah. Counter Christ means opposite of what Christ wants. Christ wants all of us to become like him. The entire church to behave like him. Not one Jacob or one Annie or one Betty to behave like him. Because then everyone will have to come to us. Third, what Paul was saying, are we offending him? Is he offendable? How does he react if you offend? So I want to change the word offend because that's a Paul word. I, are we quenching him? Is he quenchable? How does he react if you quench? That's a legitimate question, eh? In our, in our, in, in our passion for him, is it, is it still possible to quench the Holy Spirit? You guys who have spouses have realized that quickly. That you can come dancing into your house after work really full of energy and like you're on top of the world and yet you end up quenching your spouse. Derek is smiling. George is smiling too. Anne is smiling. Kamal is not. <laughs> so, the, uh, it, so it is possible for a church like us still to quench the Holy Spirit. And I went ahead of time. I wanted to save it for next uh, week, but just blurted it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because the Bible says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. And if it says, do not quench, it means it, he can be quenched. Another word the Bible uses is, do not vex the Holy Spirit. You can vex the Spirit. So, maybe there are things that we are doing as a church that Quench and vex him. Yeah. 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 And um, I'm hoping that Paul did a good job and then had other people bring handkerchiefs to church. <laughs> but uh, it, it starts that way, but it shouldn't stay that way. Otherwise, your children stay home for till they're 35. Yeah. It's like I did. Yeah. So, are we quenching the Holy Spirit? Um, four. One of the things Jesus did was have his apprentices shadow him. And so after they shadow him, they learn how to operate. And therefore, he can say, Mark 16, 17 to 20 to them, Hey, if you believe in me, you will cast out demons, you will drink poison, you will lay hands on the sick. And when he said that, they actually believed him because they had shadowed him. So now our problem is, who do we shadow? 
you won't get much shadowing me in this area because I have a lack of overflowing power. So we need people to increase in overflowing power so that we can shadow them. So if you are a leader at Acts 29, can we shadow you to see overflowing power? And may I suggest to you that that's not where we are at. You can shadow me for other things and you might learn some things brilliantly, but when it comes to overflowing power, no, there's a dearth in my life. This is all good news, guys. It's not a uh, dismal message. It is a message full of, oh, shucks. Now, now we know what we have to do. Here's another one. Christ-like character is essential for Christ-like ministry. Essential for Christ-like ministry. You know, it doesn't say seek first the kingdom and all other things shall be added to you. It says seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all things shall be added to you. So transformative, transformed lives uh, is required for spirit-powered ministry. Transformed lives is required for spirit-powered ministry. We know that. But is there a lack there? Is there a lack in my life? Is there, is there a lack in Christ-like character outside of uh, when I'm doing churchy stuff or godly stuff or ministry stuff? And that does affect power. Uh, there are too many scriptures that talk about that. These are just course correction options that we will pursue. Six, is there compassion? Is there compassion? Is your heart compassionate towards the world? I read this somewhere, and so it's not a true statement, but it is a way it said this is how many Americans think of Christians. Not Canadians, Americans think of Christians. It said many of them think that Christians are uh, a bunch of homophobic uh, people that love the fact that they are going to heaven and the rest are going to hell. And whether it's true or not is not the question here. It's the perception. And maybe the perception is a result of a lack of compassion. And uh, the Spirit of God does need compassion to operate. Everything since the fall, or even before the fall, has been a work of compassion. So is there compassion? And... Uh, uh, let me answer this question for myself. Occasionally. Occasionally is on the other side of, it's, it's, uh, if, if on a scale of five, occasionally is always four and a half. It's not five and a half. Occasionally, I'll be moved by compassion. My heart will break. But is Isaiah 58 where I live? Nope. Isaiah 58 is not where I live. 
two more and we're done. Seven. The kingdom is always connected to pouring out life. Where do we see this? They overcame the they overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives even unto death. And what is it related to that scripture? It's talking about how the kingdoms of the world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and Christ. And then it goes on to say, they overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not, did not love their lives uh, um, even unto death. When I read the scripture, I thought to myself, Jacob, some of your problems lie here. You love your life a lot. I can almost guarantee that in this church, as you begin to love your life less, you will find the power of God flowing more. This is very bothersome for me, because eh? I'm supposed to lead in this. I'm not able to. Another scripture that we all know, but we perhaps don't think of like this. Um, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Where his name is not hallowed, power will not flow. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. We disconnect. We have our own ways of breaking up all prayers. Our Father in heaven is one prayer. Hallowed be your name is another prayer. And then we start, your kingdom come, your will be done. No. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. God's intent is to be redemptive everywhere, as in to buy back, to buy back, to restore, to restore. But where his name is not hallowed, he cannot flow the way he wants to. Your kingdom comes. His kingdom comes when people hallow his name. And the only ones who can hallow his name are us. They don't even know it. Do you hallow his name? Do I hallow his name in conversations? Do I hallow his name? Yeah, not going into it today. <laughs> the coming of the kingdom or the extent of God's rule is always where his name is hallowed. That's where his will is done. So can you think of these three things? Purity, compassion, power. They are connected, eh? Purity, compassion, power. Purity, compassion, power. They're connected. Any questions, guys? I'm done. Uh, eight is uh, hallowed. Where he is hallowed. Where he is hallowed. There his will is done. I, I was very affected by a line that um, Paul, this Paul, um, just spoke to me yesterday. Um, we were talking about Heidi Baker, who has these orphanages in, I don't know whether it was Paul or Kiara who said this, uh, has orphanages in Mozambique and other places. And uh, sometimes you have to go um, take care of 10 kids who have such intense challenges, uh, wipe the poo off. Uh, kids go to prisons, uh, take care of orphans who are in really bad state. There's stench. There's this continuous um, difficulty helping these kids. And then 
I believe Heidi Baker said to the volunteers who come, every time you have to wipe the poo off a kid. Uh, why don't you say it? Exa the words were just like that. Uh, so we had an opportunity to go to uh, Heidi Baker a few years ago. Uh, the mission houses that they have, the, she looks after 5,000 orphans uh, across Mozambique. And we went to one camp where there were 500 orphans, and we stayed there for a week as missionaries, and we helped. And there were local missionaries that had given their lives to look after these orphans uh, from all across the world. And so they were there for months or for years looking after kids and helping these kids grow up with no parents. And so some of the people in our team asked these missionaries, how do you do this? How do you lay down your life in Europe or America to come and serve these children that have got no future and that cannot give you anything back? Some of them were disformed and they can't ever say thank you to you. And it's horrible circumstances. Yeah, I mean, this is the, some of the worst of the worst that we experienced. And these, um, these missionaries that had been there said it was, it was quite easy once they understood the why, because Heidi Baker taught them that every time you clean a child, every time you put them to bed, wipe their bums, every time you're a mom that's helping out, every time you go to prison and you serve these people to hospital, your life is screaming, holy, holy, holy. And if that was just the remembrance of why am I wiping this kid's bum, my life is screaming, holy, 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 that was motivation for me to carry on doing it with no other reward. Sometimes when you undo sadness, your life is screaming, holy, 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 but there's just no way to undo sadness without stepping into sadness. You can't do it from this church. You can't do it from our ivory towers. You cannot. Is that perhaps why the power of God is missing sometimes? Any questions? I'll be doing you a disservice if we don't get to the bottom of this. If I don't, if I don't lead in helping us get to this place of overflowing power, I shouldn't lead this church. It's a call of the hour. We need this. That's how necessary this is for our next step because <laughs> it's it's one of the few things lacking i'm sure once we get this and he'll show us a few other things but right now it is something we so desire and thirst for and don't have and we must get to it yeah what do we sing how do we end So, Father, we just ponder on all the things that have been said and just for a second take time. Jesus, I've heard that you put burdens on people. I've seen the Old Testament how you would put a burden on Jeremiah, a burden on Isaiah. 
I've seen how you put a burden on Jesus, on Moses, on Paul, where they would lie on the ground and they would say, take my life, but don't do, don't, don't destroy this nation. Or I would rather lose my place in heaven so that my brothers would have a place in heaven. I don't understand that. But I'm asking Jesus, for your own namesake, for your glory, could you lay a burden upon us? A burden for overflowing power, for the strangest of reasons, and the wonderfulest of reasons. Overflowing power so that we can make everything sad come untrue. Yes, things won't change till the end of the earth, but it is also a present reality. And then as we go into sad situations to undo them, there'll be this worship that rises up from every fiber of our body and it'll hit the throne as we scream, holy, holy, holy. We need this. Only you can give it. Spirit of God, you and power are the same. You know how badly we want you, but we don't have the overflowing power. We don't. So could you begin to hear a heart cry right now, Lord? Even if not spoken, can you hear it across the room? Begin to respond to it, please. Come church, just pray from where you are. Not for yourself, for us.
Thank you.